Did you know that Bitcoin uses as much energy as some entire countries? Bitcoin has a massive network of miners called ASICs that require a lot of energy to mine and secure the Bitcoin network. So for Bitcoin to be successful, it's critical to have access to cheap and reliable energy. That's why miners are moving in flocks to Texas and running their mining operations off of natural gas wells, wind turbines, solar farms, and on-grid applications. But up to now, there hasn't been a place for Bitcoin miners and energy producers to connect with each other. That's why Digital Wildcatters is bringing everyone to the energy capital of the world, Houston, Texas, for two days of network and learning at the premier mining event and power. Maybe you're an experienced miner or energy producer that's looking for partnerships, or maybe you're new to the space and you want to learn and get your foot in the door. There's going to be content and opportunities for people from all different backgrounds. March 30th, the 31st, Houston, Texas, and power. Get more information at digitalwildcatters.com. This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another week of Oil & Gas Startups. Got a good one today. We got my boys, Jeff and Trey from Mesa Solutions. What's going on, guys? How you doing? Oh, I'm doing good, man. Excited yeah. to be here. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Uh, I think we were scheduled to do this podcast last month, was it? Yes, sir. Yeah, we, had a, we had a push, so finally making it happen. I um, think that uh, Jeff over here brought some cold weather down with him to Houston. <laughs> I'm like, telling you. It was nice weather this morning, and then just all of a sudden it got cold. Yeah, it was beautiful yeah. yesterday in Texas, and then... Uh, Queen Elsa over here brought, <laughs> brought in winter. single digits back in Wyoming. <laughs> so this is beautiful. So yeah. you guys want to tell us real quick, uh, what is Mesa Solutions? And we're going to, we're going to dive into some conversation because there's, there's a lot going on in the power gene space and oil and gas. So tell us real quick. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'll go ahead and kick it off. And Jeff, if I, if I leave any, any gaps in it, just fill in. Um, essentially, we're a, we're a power-focused company, a power solutions company, um, and we provide that power via our natural gas generators that we manufacture. Um, but we provide um, reliable and responsible power to the oil and gas industry, specifically, um, by means of site-by-site -site power, microgrids, um, flare mitigation. Um, so we do a lot of stuff on the crypto side, which is Jeff's lane, um, but we do a lot of stuff on... on um, decentralized power, um, distributed power, um, and taking flare gas and putting it back onto the grid as well. These are all the things that I like and I nerd out on when you talk about <laughs> microgrids and distributed power and uh, cryptocurrency, digital, uh, you know, Bitcoin mining. Um, yeah, so one, it's kind of a good space to be in right now because these are all growing markets, right? Um Jeff, you were telling me that up in Wyoming, that's where you guys actually manufacture yes, sir. the genset. So walk me through that a little bit because when I think of generator companies, you know, I'm thinking, you know, Cummins, um, you know, Gemfrac, these types of uh, companies. And so, you know, if you just came to me like, hey, we're a power gen company, we supply nat gas generators, I would just think that you're distributing for mm -hmm. those uh, generator companies, but you guys are actually manufacturing the gensets. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Um, the engine block shows up um, imported um, into Illinois. It's up. It's a diesel block upfitted for natural gas in uh, in Illinois, sent to Casper, Wyoming. Um, Genpack is also imported, uh, custom trailer, um, and all the other parts and pieces. 
We have fabricators in Casper, Wyoming, fabricators in Nebraska. So, and we've brought as much stuff domestic as we can over the last four or five years. It's, uh, it's been crazy. It was a perfect, perfect storm, really. We had a big push to bring everything domestic and bring as much stuff in-house as we could. Pre-COVID. Pre-COVID. Pre <laughs> yeah, it was, yeah. It was, yeah, 2019, <clears throat> 2018. Um, 2019, we built 800 generators on that line, uh, on our two production lines in Casper, Wyoming. Wow. And uh, so we bring all the parts and pieces in. Um, everything that we put together is with a technician in mind. Yeah. And so that's we're able to make changes on the fly in Casper according to what our customers want, what our technicians I want. I'll stop you right there. That's so fucking nice. Like we make it with a technician in mind. Every time I was working on a drilling rig and we'd have to change out something, you know, on a rotary table. Like, dude, there's some engineer that yeah. did not think about the guy that has to fix this yeah, thing. Absolutely. Like, they, did, they got the rig put together and then they're like, all right, my job's oh. done. And then I'm the one out there struggling <laughs> to, to put parts together in very uh, tight places. So, yeah, and that, that was an important part of our of our kind of manufacturing process is taking these generators because, you know, at the end of the day, no matter what you're packaging or manufacturing, it's it's an engine and it's a gen in. Right. And it all comes down to service and your service directly correlates into your reliability. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, yeah, we took, we took the, the, um, you know, kind of the vision of, all right, here's what a technician needs out in the field. Here's what makes his job easier. But also on top of that, we coupled that with what do our customers need? What kind of power requirements do they need or what makes their job easier when they're bringing us a fuel manifold in and all these different equations. And we actually took a lot of advice from our field techs, yep. you know, instead of just throwing something out there from, from a corporate level, what do you guys need? What makes your job easier? Take that, engineer it, put it into play. Same thing for the guys on the other side of the desk, our customers. What would y'all like to see and, and how can we get it done? Yeah. And the nice thing about manufacturing our units is it gives us that flexibility and helps us be adaptable. Like that. Yeah, for sure. What are y'all's roles at uh, Mesa? I should have asked that. Uh, again. Business development manager okay. um, outside of oil and gas. Okay. So, I kind of tackle everything outside of what we've traditionally done. So you're the Bitcoin boy. <laughs> that's, how I, that's how I ended up in crypto. Yes, sir. Yes. <laughs> yes. But that directly ties into oil and gas as, as we've learned. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah. it's paralleled. I, I'm the director of business development for, okay. for oil and gas. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, manufacturing gensets, um, that's actually a, a pretty interesting concept. You know, I've worked on a lot of gensets, you know, caterpillar c15s you know mm -hmm. typically what you see on rigs and things of that nature what does it take to build a genset like you told me hey we bring in uh you know the block we import it mm -hmm. and then there's a power pack and you guys built what was it, 800 of these gensets yeah. off of two production lines like yeah. what is it what does the production line actually look like of putting a genset together it's exactly what you'd imagine i mean i walked out there the first time i saw the production lines and uh wasn't shocked what was odd to me is that every day it looked the same but they're moving them so quickly so you got your trailer sitting there um and to the side of it you've got your uh gen pack being married to the engine and then you crane that onto the trailer slides onto the next station um you start building up your electrical cabinet add another your parts and components and the last <coughs> parts where they drop the enclosure on it and so 
you're basically seeing the same thing every time you walk out there, but you're not sure how many times they've moved off the line. Yeah. <laughs> it's a, it was a quick moving deal. Yeah, that's when I three generators <laughs> deep by the time you go back. Ex- out exactly. Yeah. That's when I first joined Mesa. I'm like, does anything change out here? Yeah. <laughs> was, I love how you articulated such a complex process. In like two <laughs> no, or three no, sentences. No, no, that was yeah. great. Yeah. That was awesome. There's someone on the production line listening to this right now. Like, <laughs> oh, Jeff. It's not like, all I, so I, yeah. I also came on, I came on in the procurement side of things. Things and I was um, purchasing for the production line. Yeah. So I got to know all the, I mean, there's eight or 900 parts and pieces on that bill of materials yeah. for those things. So I do know it a little bit more intimately yeah. than I articulated. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and Colin, not to interrupt, but I do want to touch on what you just said, you coming from the pro- uh, procurement side. So one of the great things about our organization is not that we produce a superior product and we, we supply our customers with reliable power um, and cost-effective power. Um, but it, it's our culture as a whole and what we bring to the oil and gas industry and what we bring to our employees every day. And, um, you know, our background is really cool. You know, the genesis of the company, we're, we're backed by uh, Boone Pickens Energy, which is a private equity firm. That's pretty cool. And so, yeah, it is way cool. So that's why we, we don't have diesel generators in our fleet because Mr. Pickens um, was all about natural gas. And so, and we carry the namesake Mesa is where you oh, know, yeah. that comes yeah. from. So yeah. <laughs> to, to tie that in. Um, but our um, our organization, if you didn't know this about us, we are uh, we hire very heavily heavily on uh, on veterans. And mm-hmm. so, at one time, it was about seventy or eighty percent. We've grown over the last few years, and we're we're north of three hundred employees. But we still have about forty to fifty percent of us are, are veterans uh, cool. from our top leadership on down. And so we we are very big on on maintaining that culture. We're lean. We're nimble. We're we're adaptive. Um, we're, not, we're we're like a, a military unit, but not like the government where it's just waste and abuse. <laughs> left and right. It's like we take the good elements. Yeah. Out of the military. Yeah. But um, <laughs> but but the thing is, is, is to go back to that culture is we love taking good quality, talented folks who bleed Mesa blue, who understand our culture and promoting them from within. Yeah. And so every time you bring somebody from outside of the culture, you somewhat dilute it for a period of time until they get their sea legs underneath them and then they they're bleeding blue, but look at Jeff is, is a prime example of that a procurement guy. Yeah. And now he's running our cryptocurrency yeah, side of the business. Awesome. I mean, it's just a great thing. Yeah. I love, um, you know, you bring up the, the military reference and veterans. And I mean, there's a lot to learn from military. I, I, in December, a couple months ago, I spent 50 hours studying Alexander the great nice. because I like really respect just the logistics of moving men around the world and yeah. conquering and you think about supply chain and logistics, how complex it is today. Think about it 2,000 <laughs> years ago. <laughs> and, uh, man, I actually bought this bad. Man, I'm going to show you all real quick. Hold okay. On. I'm going to walk over there and grab this painting. Real quick. Nice. <laughs> oh, that is sharp. Oh, wow. That is sharp. So I got Sorry for our audio listeners. You got to go check out YouTube. You see it. <laughs> but I got this painting man i got this from a russian artist 500 bucks shipped to the united states where like where what platform so i felt, you- so i just went and googled i was like <laughs> uh alexander the great paintings and there's actually this marketplace and it's all um just independent artists and you can just go on there and buy their man, work and how cool yeah but He's got the uh, angel with the AK-47 yeah. on the cheek. So I was like, okay, I got <laughs> that That's one. mine. <laughs> that's awesome. But, Man, that is cool. Yeah, that's uh, – maybe someday I'll get around to 
hanging it up. Um, <laughs> like still not like fully committed to moving in here. <laughs> I was just telling these guys in Mesa that uh, if you followed along with us, you know that I bought an MMA cage and we documented it on YouTube and we haven't put up the MMA cage yet, but someday. someday. Well, I, t- I tell you what, whenever you get to your your home and you're putting it up. Call us. We'll come help you. Appreciate you guys helping yeah. me out there. Love, yeah. Just, so uh, let's t- while we're on the topic of supply chain and, and Bitcoin mining, <clears throat> um, you know, Bitcoin mining is going to be huge. I don't think there's any question around that. There's billions of dollars pouring into the space. Um, you know, one thing Chuck and I laugh about is if you took a map of prolific shell plays and then layered over where the Bitcoin mining hotspots, it's almost, le- it's almost exactly the same. Yeah. It's going to be West Texas, you know, Oklahoma, Wyoming, yeah. North Dakota, um, areas where we already have uh, high energy density. Um, and you know, those will be powered by nat gas, by solar, mm-hmm. uh, wind, I even met a guy here in Houston that's built nuclear fusion reactors. And he's like, I want to build them for Bitcoin. I'm like, Shit. come by and talk <laughs> oh to me i want to hear this so, yeah um but anyways um on the natural gas aspect you know if um, you're listening to this and you're not familiar produce your natural gas from a well and then it's got to run through a genset a nat gas genset to produce electricity and then you can mine uh your server or you can power your bitcoin miner servers with that um but from what i've heard is that you know supply in that gas generators has been a major bottleneck and you know just coming out of covid and then with demand and so how has that affected you guys in terms of being able to produce gen sets and put them together i mean has it been pretty challenging on the supply chain side yeah i I feel like you know if anybody's telling you they're not struggling with supply chain issues they're they're lying um (laughs) yeah (laughs) But uh, it's the nice you, thing about digital wildcatters <laughs> is podcasts and memes. They're supply chain <laughs> <Yeah>. issues. <laughs> <laughs> but um, but no, I mean the the fortunate thing for us is we started um, our leadership started recognizing some of these things that could potentially happen, and so like Jeff alluded to earlier, we started procuring as much as possible from North America mm-hmm. to kind of cut down on any future supply chain crunches. Um, and then we also we're not fully vertically integrated, but we started to kind of geared towards that way as much as possible and doing everything in house. And so, um, that our availability, um, uh, building units, getting units out, uh, adding to our fleet has really helped us gain and gobble up a lot of market share, mm-hmm. not only in oil and gas, but also in the, in the cryptocurrency space. Um, and so being in more control of, of, of our supply chain, having a firmer grasp on it than, than maybe some other people out there is really been a benefit to us. Yeah. What I really think has been a game changer on that end, why we haven't bumped into as much supply chain issues yet, is uh, our ability to do top ends, reman heads in house, <laughs> yep. and totally rebuild the engine. We stood up both of those departments 2018, 2019, 2020. Yeah. So pre COVID. And so we can flip these things. If they're broken, we don't have to rely on anybody but yeah. ourselves. It's all internal. Yeah. That's what I know. One Bitcoin miner who really their competitive edge is that they're just a bunch of, uh, know blue collar oil guys that can rebuild the yeah. top ends on you know 1970s yeah. cat yep. generators so Huge. they're just you know mm-hmm. flipping them and getting uh servers set up so that's uh really big has being able to um do those reworks in the house um let's talk about so there sounds like there's like two uh exciting markets here that i'm excited about is distributed energy and um slash microgrids and bitcoin mining let's talk about uh, distributed energy systems first and 
what that actually is. I mean, there's an HEB here in town somewhere in Houston um, that, you know, they made a lot of headlines because, you know, they had full on backup power when that uh, gas gen sets. Mm-hmm. I mean, is that how you guys look at the distributed energy is providing, you know, hospitals, stores, critical infrastructure with nat gas uh, generator, uh, backup generators? <clears throat> yeah, I mean, that that's one fact facet of it. Um, I think another side of that business is um, partnering with utility companies in a, in a co-generation uh, application is, is another beneficial. But yeah. Absolutely. What does that mean? <clears throat> what What does that mean to partner up with uh, utilities? In a like co-generation. co-generation. Yeah. So just taking um, natural gas and using our generators to create electricity and put that back onto the grid and supplement their power. Interesting. So um Essentially, you know, you typically have peaker plants that are running that gas and um, producing power. So you guys are actually supplementing that with gensets. Mm-hmm. And- yep. Absolutely. That's interesting. I didn't know that that was a thing. I yeah. Can, that's why I do podcasts. <laughs> Learning <laughs> something. But but again, going back yeah. to the, the HEBs and the hospitals and yeah, that's absolutely one of the markets that we're chasing. Yeah. Um, part of, uh, you know, <laughs> the silver lining in 2020 um, for us was <clears throat> we were heavily invested in the oil and gas industry. That's where we started. That was our genesis, right? Um, but that slowdown really caused us to to put a lot of time and energy and resources into all these different verticals that we wanted to establish. We always talked about it, but the demand on the oil and gas side always just, you know, had a thumb on us. And we which yeah. is a great problem to have, right? Yeah. <laughs> we love being in demand. Um, but 2020 kind of changed that. It gave us the opportunity to step back, reevaluate. Um, attach a little bit from what was going on and say, Hey, now's a great time to stand up our manufacturing facility, not just for Mesa generators, but we'll build generators and sell them to anybody out there. Yeah. Um, we have some strategic partnerships with, with large, um, uh, companies, you know, and, and, uh, build generators for them every day. Um, gave us opportunity to stand up commercial industrial applications, kind of going back to your, your, uh, microgrid mm-hmm. applications that you were talking about and then um also stand up a viable international market yeah and so we have projects in australia and nigeria and middle east the um you know you guys got oil and gas roots and i think one area that's really cool is microgrids and oil and gas leases and this is becoming more of a thing with electrification of the oil and gas industry um you know a while back we had uh so almost exactly a year ago, we had recorded a video for our Evolve conference of walking through an electric frack with EQT. And, you know, they have this big natural gas uh, turbine generator uh, out there that was powering the frack. Um, do you guys, uh, are y'all involved in that space too? Because, like, that generator out there was, like, I mean, jet engine, yeah. turbine. You know, do you guys uh, do that type of stuff? Not at this moment. Um, <clears throat> so, like, on the drilling side... Uh, the load swings, you know, you know, on a drilling rig, load swings are just too great for, for yeah. a natural gas generator to keep yeah. up with. Um, on the completion side of the business, which is actually my background, um, we do some some smaller applications. So we'll have a megawatt or two of power on site for for um, for companies either running their blender or some of their mm-hmm. backside equipment, or maybe the data van, stuff like that. Yeah. So we are getting into that space. Um, but as far as powering... Um, actual like natural gas fleets uh, or just an e-fleet in general yeah. we have we haven't touched on that yet so we're still what we manufacture um is a 70 kw unit all the way up to a 350 and everything in between now the reason we don't do anything larger than that not saying we won't in the future or that we're not working on it now 
at our R and D facility. But, um, we found that with the 350, we can be scalable, um, very rapidly yeah. for our customers and, and, and in a way that's economical still. Yeah. I mean, it's 80, 20 principle, right? Yeah. I mean, you can yeah. get most of what you need, yeah. um, with those, um, this might be a stupid question, but Doubt it's a question it. nonetheless. Um, you just talked about load swings and on a drilling rig. Um, how come diesel generators can handle those, but not nat gas? That's a very good question. I can't answer that. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Combo Curve. If you haven't heard, Aries and PhD went around and Combo Curve is in. Combo Curve is the cloud-based operating system for energy companies. The single integrated platform helps your engineering teams become more agile, precise, and efficient than ever before. For the first time ever, you now generate type curves and forecast thousands of wells accurately and in a fraction of the time. Oh, and it can automatically run these forecasts every single day. What I love most about the Combo Curve team is their work ethic and actually caring about their customers. Every time I talk to the team, Armand, Jeremy, everybody else over there, they're reinvesting into growing the development team to tackle any challenges that their clients may be facing. But don't take my word for it. Go over to combocurve.com, read the dozens of testimonials on their website, from clients like Arm Energy, Laredo Petroleum, Rock and W Minerals, and many more. Request a demo, and these guys will get you taken care of. And Don't know. That's so a technical maybe question. Wasn't a, maybe it wasn't a stupid question. <laughs> I, was just, I was just thinking, like when you said that, I was like, uh, I want to understand the technicalities of that now, because actually think, with electric drilling rigs, I mean, to my understanding, um, a lot of people are actually looking at just running them on grid. Yeah. And um, which I thought that was super interesting. That like, requires a lot of planning dude, from an oil and gas company. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I was just like, man, that's so much power draw. But then you think about how much a frack fleet takes. And mm -hmm. It's like, okay, it's understandable. You can't run a, a frack spread off of the grid. Uh, but then you see these big nat gas uh, turbine generators mm -hmm. and <clears throat> super cool. I mean, when we went out to EQT, I mean, like it's quiet out there except for right by the turbine, that, you know? That's creepy. So yeah. my background is wireline and, and I'm used to... Your wireline hand? I, I was, yeah. And this guy yeah, well, went to the same high school, but wireline, <laughs> yeah. I'm in wireline too. Yeah. What did you run wireline for? Uh, well, I started off as Intertech. <clears throat> okay. And then became the EMP wireline and yep. then Slimmer J bought us out. Yep. Um, yep. Y'all's yard was right there in Midland off of... Uh, 250 and... Uh, yeah. uh, yeah. The interstate. Yep. Yeah. 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 So, uh, man, a great company, but that, yeah. So I can, you know, I grew up on completion sites running a wireline truck you know that part of my career was actually you know running bond logs and compensating neutrons stuff like that but uh it evolved into just plug and perf stage work <laughs> but, i think uh, everything everyone <laughs> in wireline went through that transformation yeah. where it's like you do some through tubing work do some logs then all of a sudden you're working 100 hours a week that's it just yeah. running yeah. running stages plug and perf, yeah. Plug and perf. <laughs> but uh yeah I mean, it was loud and you learn to sleep through that you know and, and get your rest through that and then um i i was had the uh, honor to go out to a, a location. A, uh, I can't remember whose location it was. It doesn't matter. But anyways, that was an EFRAC site and it was just it's creepy. Yeah, you know? it is. That's <laughs> it's weird. It's like I was used to, like, I grew up sleeping on drilling rigs and frack jobs. Like, <laughs> if it's quiet, something's fucked up. And I, and I can't we'll shut sleep. down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, like, you get used yeah. to sleeping with that noise. Like, it only, like, it's like harmonic to you. Puts yeah. you to sleep. If you so. don't hear those pumps, I mean, yeah. they scream out <laughs> for sure. Yeah. So that was definitely something to get used to. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, it's like I talked to some of my buddies in climate tech that are focused on distributed energy systems and things of that nature. And I'm like, man, there's great applications in oil and gas for and, building out microgrids. Yeah. And we're doing it every day. Um, you know, and I think, I think oil and gas companies are starting to see the value in it. 
um, you know, you, you take, you take what the microgrid, um, costs and you, you kind of spread that out over a kilowatt per hour equivalency. And we're, we're on par or cheaper than, than utility power, just as reliable. Um, and we don't just throw those numbers around. We actually put that data in our customers' hands. So we have a, a proprietary uh, telemetry system in all of our generators. And, and this is, um, it's, it's not, it's like I said, it's not off the shelf. We, we built it in house, we engineered it. Um, and it, it collects probably 35 to 40 KPIs of different data points. Um, and it's app based, web based. Um, mm-hmm. so what do you do with those? What do you do with those uh, KPIs? So the important points? stuff for us is, so we, we don't just have this system up in the cloud and it's not sending alerts to some technician sleeping in his bed, right? When something goes on, we actually have a 24 seven manned operations center that's keeping an eye on all of our generators. And when something's out of spec, we actually kind of get ahead of it before mm. there's any kind of shutdown, which yeah. really helps our, our runtime. Um, so let's, but we, say, let's talk about that a little bit okay. because so it sounds like you have 24 seven ops that are keeping eyes on gen sets and says, okay, you know, we've got a problem here. Let's fix it before we have to um, shut down. Um, that kind of leads to the business model a little bit. I mean, are you guys, do you lease these units out to companies and then monitor them um, alongside that? Or do companies buy the gen sets and you guys charge a service to Both. monitor them? Both? Okay. Yeah. It's a fair question, too. Yeah. We just do it all. Yeah, we do it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, um, it, it's, it's, up to, it's up to the customer. I mean, typically on the oil and ga- gas side, um, it, it's best just to lease them. Look at, look at that power we're providing as utility power you don't go out and try to buy the utility company yeah. you're just buying yeah. power from them yeah um kind of, kind of the same model there um but yeah we're not we're not opposed to selling generators um and then wrapping them up in into some kind of a service contract and then part of that contract would be the telemetry as well would come with it and so we use that telemetry to to diagnose issues if there are any out in the field to get ahead of any issues in the field but also more importantly to optimize the power we have on site. Right. So, um, you know, you may think you need a certain size generator based off of your artificial lift down hole or your facility equipment on site or whatever H pump you have running your, your disposal. Um, but after a short amount of time, we can pull some historical data and say, Hey, you know what? We actually need to downsize this unit. One, it's better for the health of our generator to be running at 80 or 90% load. Um, two, we can save you some money. So the further down we can drive that kilowatt per hour equivalency the better off our customer is yeah it was actually a good point that sorry to interrupt you but just talking about load on generators is something that i've been kind of exploring a little bit more because ultimately generators like to be running under load right and there's a lot of they like efficient, to work. yeah there's a lot of efficiency gains there it's like mm-hmm. you know um i took a generator down to uh, new orleans during the hurricane and um, the house I was staying at, we didn't have power. So we knew that generator and it's like, you just fucking let it run the whole time. And you know, it's not necessarily under load at, at nighttime yep. and mm-hmm. it's not great for it. Right. And so that's just my little Honda generator, you know, so I don't give a fuck <laughs> yeah. if it goes out, but you know, when you're talking about, you know, massive generators, it's like, you want to be really efficient, um, with how you're using them. That way you increase longevity of yep. them. And so I was like, I bet some of the KPIs and data that you guys are collecting, kind of plays a part in that. Yeah, for sure. We're looking at it to, to help out with, with the health of our generators, the cost to our customer, and also um, from an ESG standpoint, right? The, the greater the load they're under, the better the efficiency of the burn is. And so mm-hmm. you, get, you get less um, emissions from that. Running them at low load, you can get carbon buildup on the heads where they're not going to want to take those high loads again. Yeah. And it's just, 
that leads into a funny <laughs> angle that's getting explored by a lot of people right now is how crypto fits in. Mm-hmm. I mean, those loads are very flexible. Yeah. Um, so you've got a gen, um, whatever kind of, maybe, maybe it's a greenhouse with a watering process every three times a day. So you've got a lot of capacity there that's not being used. Yeah. And is, do you, I mean, you can level that out supporting crypto in between the watering, shut off your miners for a little while. Yeah. And bring them back on, um, when the watering process is over. Yeah. So there's just a lot of flexibility to it that can keep these things at a utilization that's yeah good for everybody involved. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Talking about microgrids is kind of off topic, but that just bringing up the greenhouse and the watering, um, did you guys get a chance to see our documentary that we made with the dairy farmer up in Ohio? No, but Joe I've heard a lot about it. Yeah. Yeah. So, so th- this guy, they had, they had gotten some royalties, right? He used. Royalties. Yeah. So he used his royalties from uh, rice energy and the net gas pad that they had. And he fully automated his dairy farm. I'm talking fully automated. He's fourth generation, you know, 65 year old farmer. And he wakes up in the morning, gets on his computer, checks all his data. And <laughs> that's so that's awesome. about his. Yeah. I mean, just fucking good for just him. Just let it work for but you. But anyways, man. um, in the pins, he's got these Roombas essentially, and it goes around the pin and scoops up all the cow shit, and then it takes it to a dump spot and puts it down there, and then it goes into a shoot into this big pit. And he told me his next evolution of thinking. He's like, "Yeah, I've got this big pit of manure, so I'm looking at how can I turn that into renewable natural gas and get yeah. a generator out here and just power my whole farm." And I was like, "Man, this dude is on level ten for <laughs> optimization <laughs> and yeah, microgrids." Yeah, sure. yeah, he's but, crushing uh, it right now. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about uh, Bitcoin mining and cryptocurrency. Well, just not even cryptocurrency, Bitcoin mining. Um, fuck all the other cryptos. Um, <laughs> Maximal. <laughs> yeah, I'm a Bitcoin maxi for sure. <laughs> um, obviously, growing space, um, going to continue to be a growing space in my mind over the next uh, two decades. And um, energy plays a big part in that, right? Um I don't know if this is proprietary or not, but I know you guys have worked with Crusoe, um, I believe, and provided power to Crusoe. Uh, Coley Cavanis from Crusoe has been on the show a couple of times and talked shop on Bitcoin mining. You know, what are you guys, um, I don't even know what question I want to ask. Like, what are you guys seeing in, yeah. in that space? And, you know, it's going to be Jeff, the Bitcoin boy that's answering <laughs> on this for BizDev for that side. But, you know, I'm, I'm having conversations daily, weekly um, with different parties in the space, whether it's institutional funds, uh, whether it's, you know, power gen guys, whether it's oil and gas guys, whether it's Bitcoin miners, mm-hmm. whether it's blood sucking attorneys trying to figure out how they <laughs> how they make some money in the space. Um, you know, what are y'all seeing from the, the power gen side? Oh, there's the guys that are doing it at scale. Like you said, are all Bitcoin guys. Mm-hmm. Um the guys that are thinking far enough ahead are the off-grid guys. I mm-hmm. mean, there's just so much opportunity now to figure it out. And when it's done the right way, those are the guys that are going to be viable in 10 years. Mm-hmm. When it halves in 2024. I mean, there's a lot of people only planning to mine until 2024. The herd's going to get thinned. Mm-hmm. But these guys want to vertically integrate and bring everything in that they possibly can to have 10, 20 years of the cheapest power on the planet are the ones that are going to be viable. So... I mean, there's a lot of guys that are getting while the getting's good, but then there's a whole other group that's thinking 10 steps further yeah. that are going to be around for a long time. Yeah, the, um, you know, kind of my evolution on this thought was been in the space for a few years, talking about it, thinking about it, talking to different parties and trying to match up miners with EMPs and 
oh, hey, you have gas, you've got miners, but it's really the guys that vertically integrate um, in the oil and gas space over time that win, that hey, we own the underlying asset and the power gen and the miners. Um, you know, the, the only thing is, is like, I think people underestimate the, like, it's not trivial to have power generation, right? I mean, generators, they're mechanical. Fucking break. Yep. We've yep. all been around yep. <laughs> mechanical yeah. things in the oil field. Like yep. it's breaking down on you. Um, the the supply chain issues of even getting a gen set on on site. I mean, how um, you know, what differentiates Mesa between an Interflex or a Cummins or a Caterpillar? Like what like what's y'all? I mean, this is your time to shine and pitch oh. here right now. Like I'm set I'm setting you up right now. But this is a this is a genuine question from me. Is if I have an operation out there and I need a gen set, yeah. like I'm a Cummins fanboy. Yeah. Like what's keeping me from going and getting a Cummins or a Caterpillar? Um why like why would someone pick Mason? Easy, easy answer that I'm sure is on the tip of Trey's tongue right now. Hit it. Because it was one of my first questions uh, when I got to Mesa. I'm like, man, this is so cool. Is there other companies building stuff like this? I saw that production line and I was in awe. Um, had a conversation with my buddy who actually helped bring me to Mesa. Um, he's our chief of field operations now. Um, he said, man, you can have the best generator in the world. And if it's not serviced, if the oil hasn't been changed in 10,000 hours and it's not acting right, someone's going to say that Caterpillar is a piece of junk. And we, and we build generators for Caterpillar now. We have an agreement with them where we'll sell to their distributors. And uh, it's strictly our service. It's our guys in the field that are set us apart 100%. Yeah. It's, it's our ability to help those guys react and bring in those data points and get those guys on site before anyone else could react. Yeah. So it's keeping these things pristine. And that's the question you asked earlier. Do we um, rent? Do we sell? Do we lease? Everything and all in between. But I'll tell you, on the sales side, and we've seen a couple – of customers go through it. I mean, if they're like, we can take care of these things ourselves. And uh, we're like, please, please go with a service package because that's what keeps our name pristine. Yeah. We're the ones that know how to take care of these things. We've been doing it since the start. And yeah. I was a uh, motor man on a drilling rig and this is pre-horizontals. Like we're still drilling verticals and like listening to you talk, I'm like thinking about my world changes on those gen sets and like, and like those motors would always be overheating. So we just take a pressure washer gun yeah, and yeah. blow it into the radiator and just like leave it there all day. And yeah, those, uh, God, man, we abuse those gen sets. Yeah. One of them, man, you want to talk about like the quietness. One of the most eerie things I've ever seen in the oil field. We were working night shift and one of our, uh, main gen sets threw a rod mm. and we weren't able to get it switched over to the other gen set. And so it throws a rod like one, one of those big ass gins that's throwing a rod. It's kind of scary. Yeah. Man. yeah like yeah. it's like Absolutely. an explosion. And so it throws it and then just the whole drilling rig just, just down. And <laughs> it goes from just being loud to, I mean, nothing, dead silence, yeah. middle of West Texas. And then, you know, we start freaking out because we're in the hole. And, yeah. Uh, <laughs> we lost power. Not but good. yeah, I mean, that was shout out to me and the rest of my boys as a result <laughs> of our maintenance. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you said it, Jeff. It's the it's the service that goes into it, and then just a little bit beyond the service is the support. So um, we're not just a team of uh, we don't just have a sales team and a field operations crew. We have a whole engineering team behind mm -hmm. us that is designing, developing, implementing all of these microgrids or cryptocurrency setups. Um, yeah, so let's talk about that real quick. Like if someone's listening and they're like, "Hey, you know, we're looking at setting up a Bitcoin mining operation." 
um, can they come to you guys Man. and uh, get, you know, can you guys help them on? This is what you're going to need for a generator in your design power <laughs> system. We've been forced into that role a couple times. <laughs> I mean, as far as uh, putting the whole project together, we like to be turnkey, so yeah. we embrace it. Yeah. But uh, along with us diversifying away from oil and gas, uh, we brought on a lot of engineering support, more than a lot of our competitors have. Mm -hmm. So we can um, we can change things on the fly on the manufacturing line, but at the same time, we can do a site layout in in a couple hours in an afternoon. We know what equipment's needed on site. We can have fuel distribution, gen layout, and where their crypto miners are going to go. Mm -hmm. And we can have that all in a sheet. So we have a roadmap for the site. It's just one step further, more turnkey that makes everything come together on site that much better. Yeah. Um, going back to your point of talking about like service sets you guys apart and your guys out in the field, are you guys concentrated on certain geological or geographic areas um, to make sure that y'all have the support? Like, are y'all heavy in the Permian, Oklahoma? Um, yeah, we don't, uh, <clears throat> we're heavy everywhere. So anywhere that we have an area of operation, um, we we're in that community. And so, yeah, yeah the Permian is obviously a, a large uh, beast yeah. and it always will be. Um, but to that effect, we don't bastardize any other segment of our business due to the Permian. So yeah, our operations in the Bakken or, <clears throat> excuse me, or in, you know, Pennsylvania or in Vernal, Utah, or the Eagleford of South Texas is just as important as the Permian. Yeah. Um, but so we have a large footprint um, all over wherever there is an oil and gas shell or oil and gas play. We're there. Cool. Got um, it. A, a big, a cool one along those lines to talk about your oil changes. This would have helped you out. Um, we <laughs> we got, 10 years too late now, dog. We've got a proprietary <laughs> oil blend though, uh, not to like pitch it or anything, but it's, it's operationally changed the face of how yeah. we operate. Um, we can we don't have to for preventive maintenance oil changes things like that touch these things but every 73 days we're up to 1750 hours wow. with this blend it was 750 hours before yeah. that so yeah. more than doubled it and so yeah. it allows us to go a little bit further away from our home bases where our shops are at than we could traditionally so it gives us that just that flexibility just not have to touch them for it so long unless something unexpected by some arises. time yeah. yeah for sure and there's a safety aspect in that as well that you know our guys are on the road less now and we're out mm -hmm. on the customers locations less now you know, yeah. we're only touching those generators yep. once to everybody else's two or three times. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this conversation is, uh, learned a couple of things. I'm going to go look up, like, I'm going to come school y'all up on some generators. I know y'all could go ask your engineers, but I'm going to come back with an answer on the diesel versus. Yeah, the please do. And you know what? <laughs> We're probably going to go out in the parking lot and get you an answer before you can get yeah. back to us. <laughs> <laughs> so be to it. It's something with fuel density, I do believe. Oh, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> good, good one. Yeah. Uh, just throw that out there. He's like, he's like, yeah, energy density. That's, that's the answer. <laughs> Malcolm will be calling you soon. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, I've learned a lot. And power generation is actually something that I'm fairly new to. Even though, I mean, I've worked on gen sets, but, you know, I worked on it from kind of a primitive, mm -hmm. like, hey, this is powering a rig and it's my fucking job to change the oil <laughs> on this thing. And that was about it. Um, but I've really been starting to think about power gen more, um, especially as I get really interested in microgrids, mm -hmm. and Bitcoin mining. And so it's good that I think you guys are our first, uh, might be our first uh, generator. power gen. Dang, We're honored. Yeah, heck yeah. I, I got yeah. to I got the opportunity to see you guys speak in, in uh Namoga this last year yeah. at the luncheon and, and uh I just want to thank you guys for the narrative that you are setting for the oil and gas industry specifically and also around cryptocurrency. I think it's important for 
for us to get the right message out about both of these industries. Yeah. And we need to be on the leading edge of putting that narrative out and not some news organization or somebody who really doesn't understand energy or cryptocurrency or any of those things. So thank you guys for doing what yeah, you do. Appreciate that, man. Yeah. I mean, it's, um, I, I think it's really cool to, like I said, there's so many different yeah. parties and components that come into this and yeah. it's really cool to bring it all together and, um, you know, see it all come to fruition. So, um, guys, if you're listening to the show and you need a gen set, got to endorse my boys over at Mesa, <laughs> um, <laughs> and get you taken care of, you know, if you're looking for microgrids, you're looking to mine, mine some Bitcoin, you're looking to hash some corn, uh, come get these guys. They'll get you taken care of. I know they good, do good at work. I've heard yeah. about them before I even got introduced to them. So guys, appreciate you coming on the show and, uh, teaching us a little bit about what you do. Um, Real quick, I don't know when the show's going out, but I know I say that every week. Um, <laughs> but come to Empower. It's March 30th, 31st. Yeah, I don't got a ticket. Uh, hit us up. Make sure to get a ticket. And then also subscribe to the BDE newsletter. Just go to digitalwallcutters.com. Subscribe to that. Catch you guys on the next show. Go, 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 go.